When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, Dion. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today is a very special day in the FPL community because it is, of course, fixture release day. The Premier League fixtures for the start of the new season, the 2023-24 campaign, are officially out and we can confirm that all 20 Premier League teams are playing all other 20 Premier League teams home and away between Game Weeks 1 and Game Week 38 this season. But as you know, there's much more to it than that, especially when it comes to fantasy football. And a lot of that revolves around who's got the best fixtures, who's got the worst fixtures and ways you can potentially rotate from one set of fixtures to another to maximise your points. And that's what we're going to be discussing today. But before I get into more details on the best rotation pairings, just want to give a shout out to some of the other content that we've done so far. So if you haven't already checked out the video or podcast at nine o'clock this morning, myself, Chris and Tom were live reacting as those fixtures dropped in, uh, giving our initial reactions and then having a look at who's got the best fixtures and the worst fixtures at the beginning of the campaign made for some very interesting reading uh, in that period of the season we're going to have other content as well so we're going to have a look at uh, when the fixtures start to swing perhaps maybe when you want to wildcard as well and don't forget to head to fantasyfootballscout.co.uk to have a look at some of the articles that Neil, Tom and Mark are doing for us as well they are absolute stars but I did say we're going to be talking about rotation pairings today and so I can't really go any further without discussing the Fantasy Football Scout season ticker because this is the tool that will help you identify um, when you need to chop and change your players, either for substitutions, transfers, etc. And it is a big part of what makes Fantasy Football Scout membership so vital to you winning FPL and beating your mates as well. So you'll see on the screen right now a screenshot for the new campaign. That's right, the season ticket is up is updated and ready for 23-24 already. And the best thing about this tool is that obviously you can uh, interact with it and sort it and change it to give you exactly what you're looking for. And what we've got on the screen right now uh, is the first six matches, uh, first six game weeks I should say, and it's uh, the Premier League sorted by who's got the best attacking fixtures. And you can see Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal are uh, the top three teams there. But you can customise it however which way you want. You can have a, you can add some game weeks on, look from game weeks 1 to 8, 1 to 20. 
You can you know push it on from game week seven to twelve. You can sort it by who's got the best defense fixtures, who's got the best attack fixtures, home away, all sorts. And it is just an absolute cornerstone of what makes Fantasy Football Scout membership so good. So if you're not already signed up, head to the website, have a look at the members' benefits, and pick the package that suits you. And you will almost certainly have one of your best ever FPL campaigns. I can almost um, promise you that you know with t's and c's <laughs> but yes head over there and the reason why i wanted to give it a good plug because i appreciate that this is a little bit me pushing it down your throat is uh because it's a great way of finding out those rotation pairings because you can sort of match up where you can chop and change so let's have a look at the first rotation pairing that i have spotted for the new campaign and i should just clarify that with these rotations these are all about um budget defensive assets because Usually that is the is the cornerstone of what makes your team just that little bit better than other people who haven't done quite as much preparation because let's be honest, everybody's gonna have all of the same sort of premium players and where you can make up five, six, seven points in a game week is making sure you've got those budget players locked in. The best way to do that at the start of the season is to pick a couple of clubs that you think can maybe offer you some cheap defensive uh, potential um, that maybe don't have a strong um, set of fixtures in the long term but maybe have a good one a bad one two good ones and a bad one again and then match that up with some other club that mirrors that and so that's what we've got on the screen right now the first pairing that I quite like the look of for the new campaign is Aston Villa and Crystal Palace because uh, Aston Villa they start the season away at Newcastle which of course is not a great fixture these days especially for defensive returns but then at home to Everton away to Burnley two good fixtures in a row Liverpool away that's a tough one. But then Palace at home is a good one. And Chelsea away, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to see what happens there. Because last season, that would have been nice. But it might be a bit better this year. Now, the gaps in there that you don't really want to start a Villa defender for would be Newcastle in game week one, Liverpool in game week four, and in all likelihood, Chelsea away in game week six. And so this is where Palace's fixtures slot quite nicely into that. So... They are playing Sheffield United away in game week one, which could be good for defensive return. Of course, that's a newly promoted team. Um, they've got Arsenal and Brentford in game weeks two and three, but that's fine because you would be starting your Villa defender uh, with Everton and Burnley in those game weeks. So then it's Wolves at home, covers you for Villa's Liverpool fixture in game week four. Um, you know They actually then face each other, these two teams, in game week five. And I'd probably go with the Villa defender out of the two of these clubs. And then when Villa are playing Chelsea... Crystal Palace are hosting Fulham. So that's a slightly nicer, um, on paper anyway, fixture for defensive returns. And in terms of the ways to capitalise on that, we have to say with all of these defensive rotations that I'm going to take you through, uh, we don't have the prices yet. And so it's entirely possible when the prices land, this rotation is no longer viable because there isn't really any 4.5 or 4 millions we feel like are going to start games at those two clubs. But there's there's the possibility that there might be, of course. Um, we'll start with Aston Villa. Uh, Esri Concert finished the season at 4.4 million with 110 points. He finished 20 points behind Mings, who um, fin and who was more highly owned and uh, ended up uh, with a higher price as well, 4.7. So there's a possible slight gap there. You know, Mings has a bit of attacking returns from set pieces, has console offered the same, not really. Um, then, you know, Matty Cash, uh, 57 points. Luca Dina, 50 points. Not that many players here, Um racked up a ton of points and so it's possible that some of these guys could be 4.5 million and Diego Carlos as well he came in to be this big um, important presence at the back and then didn't really play any of the season because he got injured so near the start so his finishing price was 4.7 but based on the fact that he barely played last season you'd like to think that there could be some 4.5s there Martinez 5 million he finished the season probably um, is going to be in the same bracket again so it's going to be difficult to, to pick him and then rotate him with someone else 
but they're, they're sort of some of the names that we're looking at. Crystal Palace, much, much more likely to have um, some cheaper assets there. So their their highest performing defender um, last season was uh, Mark Gay on 95 points, finished at 4.5. Tyreek Mitchell just behind him on 93 points and finished on 4.4. Uh, Joachim Anderson finished at 4.5 with 80 points. And uh, in goal, uh, one player I still had right till the end of the season actually was Sam Johnston, finished at 4.4, just 36 points. But of course, he came in late on. Now, you're probably thinking with all of these players I've talked about here, they, they don't really sound that great because they haven't done that well last season. But um, that's across the course of the whole campaign. So the reason why I quite like this pairing, if uh, we get the prices right, is because their defensive stats are, are fairly good. So, Aston Villa, they got 12 clean sheets last season, so they were inside the top eight best for that stat across the whole campaign. Uh, but it was really in the last uh, 12 game weeks where they were one of the go-to teams for clean sheets, relatively speaking. Now, in the last 12 game weeks of the season, some teams played more than 12 games. So, for example, Man United here played 13, as did Villa. Brighton played 15, Brentford played 14, City played 12. So... You know, there's only so much we can, um, we, we have to just, not a pinch of salt, maybe just a minute bit of salt we have to take with these numbers. But the point is, is that the only team that got more clean sheets in the last 12 games of the season than Aston Villa was, was, was Man United. So with the five clean sheets there for Villa. And that came from some pretty good underlying numbers as well. And so, interestingly enough, first half of the campaign, when you sort the whole of the Premier League for big chances conceded, uh, Villa weren't anywhere near the top, uh, top eight, nine. But uh, when you have a look at just the last 12 matches, their total of 23 big chances conceded was in the in the top five best. And also was Crystal Palace. So uh, Crystal Palace, uh, the thing is, they didn't keep as many cleats as they probably would have wanted to. So they're not actually in the, uh, the best uh, teams for clean sheets, either across the whole campaign or in the last 12. But but in terms of the underlying numbers behind that, they were uh, eighth best for big chances, fewest big chances conceded across the whole campaign. And then they were second best for fewest big chances conceded in the last 12 matches of the season, um, You know, just, which is which is pretty good. Now, they should have kept more clean sheets than they did, so maybe there's something wrong there. But, you know, um, with those stats, it just makes you feel like with those fixtures, if you can line them up properly, clean sheets... At Aston Villa and Crystal Palace are hardly unlikely. And if the prices are just right, then you can rotate between uh, these two clubs. So it's worth uh, bearing in mind those two teams when you are planning your team. Now, here is another one that's more built around goalkeepers, and that is Brighton and Chelsea. Now, again, a lot of this is going to be very, very heavily dependent on the prices. And so, for example, you know, Stupinian, he's finished the season at 5 million, 128 points. I would expect him to maybe be a 5.5 for next season, uh, to be honest. Uh, so it's, it's, it's unlikely that you, if you're going to get a Stupinian, you're, you've gotten there for what you're hoping are defensive returns and attacking returns, and you're probably not going to rotate him. But if you're getting potentially maybe a Veltman or a Webster or something, uh, or a Dunk is finished at 4.8, he probably will be 5 again. But if you can get to a 4.5 million Brighton defender, you probably would want to rotate them. But as I said, it's probably more about the goalkeepers because Steele finished the season at 4 million. I think it's fairly obvious that he is the starting goalkeeper, but bearing in mind he only got 65 points last campaign, I think there is a case to be made for him to be 4.5. Could be 5 million as well. But if he does come in at 4.5, then that's good news. Um, because first six matches for Brighton then. Luton at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home, uh, Newcastle at home, Man United away, and Bournemouth at home. So the fixtures in there that you that we like the look of are game week one at home to Luton, game week two away to Wolves, 
maybe not game week three against West Ham or four or five against Newcastle or Man United, but we do like Bournemouth at home game week six. So it's one, two and six are the game weeks that we would want to probably start a Brighton defensive asset if we have one. Now, Chelsea then, what can they offer in slots three, four and five to cover uh, one, two and six, to to, to slot in with one, two and six from Brighton, three, four and five from Chelsea? So they've got, um, just coincidentally, they're Liverpool at home first of the season and away to West Ham. So you probably don't want to start a a Chelsea defender unless you're going for one of the expensive uh, uh, wing backs or something. But Luton at home, Forest at home, Bournemouth away, three, four, five. That complements very, very nicely with those times when you might look at your Brighton defender and go, you know, I don't want to start you there. And of course, then they host Villa in game week six. You're actually quite good now. Um, and But that's fine because you've got your Bournemouth match at home with Brighton. So that's that's in theory how that pairing would work. Now, let's talk about Chelsea then because it seems weird to talk about Chelsea and a sort of budget defensive rotation. But you can probably understand where we're coming from on this because they have had a pretty shocking season just gone. We're expecting huge discounts across the board uh, just simply because of just how bad they were last season. It could have sort of the Man United effect on some of their players. For example, Rashford came right down to 6.5 at the start of the season. You know, we could see that happen to Sterling. Uh, down to like 7 million or something or 7.5 for example so we're already talking about these these reductions now Kepa finished the season on 118 points and was a 4.5 now his clean sheet total in the end um, was uh, just 9 which isn't amazing and as far as I'm concerned I don't know if it's necessarily huge justification to make him a 5 million Um, and so I think and when you factor in just uh, yeah just the challenging season they had. I wouldn't be too shocked if Kepa comes back in at the 4.5. And the reason why I'm focusing in on him is because it does sound from the press as if to suggest that he is going to be the number one goalkeeper next season under Pochettino. So he's the one that we're really sort of looking at. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll head back to the um, to the stats for last season because unfortunately you're not really going to see Chelsea on this, but you will see Brighton, of course. So 12 clean sheets for Brighton across the course of the whole campaign. Five of those came in the last 12 game weeks of the season where they did have a bit of an advantage because in that period they did play 15 times uh, but either way still you know get um, pulling the clean sheets in uh, in terms of the stats behind that they actually were better defensively in the first half of the season than they were in the second half of the season so uh, before the world cup uh, well sorry not before the world because across the course of the whole campaign I should say 70 big chances conceded which was about the seventh uh, sorry joint sixth actually joint sixth uh, best um, fewest big chances conceded and then uh yeah they, they really dropped off a defensive returns in the last 12 in terms of the stats because they're not anywhere near the uh the, the top eight for that but they still kept those clean sheets which was possibly just to do with the volume that they played Steele obviously played well you know conceded effectively uh, fewer goals than they should have done but if they can keep that up long term then great that's the kind of team we want to be invested in Chelsea are nowhere near these numbers they had a terrible year last year possibly a bit of an anomaly we know that Chelsea have it within them to have a good defensive campaign because they've done it in the past and they've still got uh, some experienced players there. Um, it should probably just give note uh, to some of the other players that they've got in their back line uh, who could factor into a rotation. You know, Of course, Rhys James and Chilwell finished the season at 5.8 and 5.6 respectively. Very, very surprised if they come in below 5 million. Uh, but you know the centre-backs maybe like Thiago Silva, Koulibaly um, could be 4.5 just because they've got 80 and 74 points betw- um, respectively, which is not very much at all. In all likelihood, they're probably going to be 5 million, those guys. Uh, but you know, Chalabar finished at 4.4. Uh, Badia Shile finished at 5 million, but only got 40 points. 
Uh, Fafana finished at 4.3 with just 37 points. Of course, had the injury as well. It's just kind of a really sort of rubbish selection of uh, fantasy assets if we look at what was there last season. So it's possible, it's possible that there could be someone in there who's a 4.5 who ends up starting. Perhaps someone who the game thinks is someone who's not good enough to start, but then um, Pochettino starts them in all the preseason games and and they're ready to go. So I would just keep, I would just keep your eye. I would keep your eye on the Chelsea defense. I'm not in any way suggesting that they're going to be pulling in massive returns, but if we can get 4.5, who can just just sit in a rotation. You know, they don't have to be someone that we're starting every week because, you know, we're probably going to have probably going to have Trent and, you know, we're probably going to have maybe an Arsenal defender or, or something like that because Arsenal's defensive fixtures look very good, as do cities as well, you know. So they're the sort of expensive ones we're looking at. If you've got, if you just need a 4.5 to sit in a rotation, it's possible, possible we could get one at Chelsea. But of course, the prices uh, will dictate that. Now, another defensive rotation that I quite like the look of is Brentford and Fulham which probably seems like a weird team to suggest. But either way, the point is, everything kind of matches up here. Everything matches up here in terms of what we need uh, on the uh, fixture ticker. So Brentford, uh, they uh, played Spurs at home in game week one. Not a nice fixture for defensive returns, but they play Fulham away in game week two. Uh, They then host Palace in game week three. They host Bournemouth in game week four. Newcastle away in game week five. And then Everton at home in game week six. So where's the slots we need to fill in there? So it's Spurs away and Newcastle away in game weeks one and five, respectively. Fulham can offer you Everton away in game week one and Luton at home in game week five, which if you combine these two, you would then have Everton away, Fulham away, Palace at home, Bournemouth at home, Luton at home, Everton at home, from whichever of the players it is that you put into your starting lineup for that week. The gaps in Fulham's end, so they they obviously face Brentford at home in game week two, but then of course they got Arsenal and City away in game week three and four, which is horrible. And they play, they face uh, Palace away in game week six, which, you know, uh, by that point, you know, things Fulham might have done well enough for you to maybe start your Fulham defender in that game. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking crazy. We're talking about Fulham here for defensive returns. What's going on? Well, um, let's have a look at some defensive uh, numbers to start with. They're more going to, they're going to look better for Brentford than they will Fulham. I can assure you that now. <laughs> uh, so Brentford across the whole campaign, 12 clean sheets. That was uh, in the top six best. And in terms of what that looked like, in terms of what was underneath that, so 67 big chances conceded, that was the fourth best, or the fourth fewest, I should say. So that is a defence that is top-notch, top-notch indeed. Um, Fulham don't appear in in either of those two tables I've got on the screen, unfortunately. But um, we'll come to them in just a minute. Let's talk about Brentford first. Now, hmm... Interesting to see what's going to happen with prices here. Again, that's a huge, huge part of all of this. Now, Ben Mee had a fantastic season, 143 points, finished at 4.8. You know, got himself three goals, two assists, and uh, chipped in with quite a lot of bonus as well. So he's probably going to be 5 million. And, of course, he has that FPL pedigree as well, which is just going to be backing him up and and helping him, uh, yeah, really look at like a 5 million defender. Now, in terms of what's around him, we've got Rico Henry finished at 4.4 million, 112 points. Pinnock, 4.4 million as well, 112 points. Exactly the same for both of them. Uh, Hickey finished at 4.9, but he only got 63 points. So we've got three defenders that finished on over 100 points. So because it's possible that me, Henry and Pinnock might be 5 million. Me, possibly more likely than the other two. But of course, they've got to play with the back four. Uh, so who that fourth person is going to be, it's hard to really hugely bump many of the other guys in there. Um, so are any of those guys going to be 4.5 are going to play? Fingers crossed. Now, I could be being hopeful there. This is probably, of the defensive pairings, this is the one that probably relies on the most uh, going a certain way or the other. Because 
lot of it's going to depend on David Raya. Now, he got 166 points, top-scoring goalie for the season, finished on 4.8. If he was going to stay at Brentford, which seems very, very unlikely, he would almost certainly be a 5 million goalkeeper, just because not only is he offering you know, fantastic defensive stats, he was also offering lots of saves. Now, the thing about Brentford was that they did concede a lot of shots. They, were, uh, they had the biggest gap, effectively, between shots conceded and uh, big chances conceded because they just limited the shots they were facing to very low quality uh, incidences. And then, of course, you lower the quality of those uh, shots, then it's a lot easier for the goalie to make the saves. And so it's kind of, they just produced a bit of a save engine for um, for Raya. And then, of course, that helps with bonus. He's very good with the ball at his feet as well, so he got bonus from that as well. So if he was to stay, he would naturally be a 5 million goalkeeper. Now, we probably actually want him to stay for as long as it takes FPL to launch the game because if that is the way around it goes and he gets priced as a Brentford goalkeeper at 5 million then you would like to think that FPL would have to price Strakosha and Flecken who were the other two goalkeepers at 4.5 because they would have to price it on the basis that Raya is the number one and you can't have three 5 million goalies because that would just be silly so if it happens that way then we would get one of those two goalkeepers I think at 4.5 and then if Raya was to then leave Sounds like you might join Spurs. Then we've got ourselves a 4.5 million Brentford goalkeeper again. And if you want to know more about Mark Flecken, uh, then head to the YouTube channel or just head back to the Fantasy Football Scout uh, list of podcasts where you can check out the scout report we did on him. Very much seems like a like-for-like replacement for Raya in that he's very good making saves, but also very good at distributing the ball. And that will really help for bonus. So that's what we need to get a 4.5 million uh, Brentford defender. What about Fulham then? Well, they... Uh, we have got Leno finished on 142 points. Now, this is this is what I meant about it seems crazy, but is it really, you know? So in terms of uh, the clean sheets then uh, for him, uh, he kept eight, which isn't an incredible amount. I mean, that is fewer than we were talking about with Chelsea and that, you know, but it's Fulham Chelsea. They're sort of expecting different things, right? But Leno finished the season at 4.6. Now, he managed uh, to get so much of that because he was very, very busy <laughs> because it is... It's a defence that, of course, is is not necessarily all that watertight. He made 144 saves, uh, did Leno, uh, which was the second highest in the division. And because they only kept the eight clean sheets, and because it because it is Fulham, which we say as we try to be as undisrespectful as possible, um, you know, I I kind of feel like Leno's going to be 4.5 again, to be honest, which would be really nice because he's still going to get lots of saves. You know, second season in the Premier League for Fulham, if they can kick on and maybe tighten up in open play uh, so that we can see some better underlying stats. Maybe there's some, some more clean sheets to come. Uh, in terms of what is elsewhere in the defence, they're, they're definitely going to be 4.5s again because none of their defenders got over 100 points last season. But, you know, Anthony Robinson and Kenny Tete, the full-backs, you know, they uh, they look lively at times. Uh, one goal and five assists for Tete. And then uh, Robinson, uh, he finished the season with, not as well. He, most of his points came from appearances, but, you know, he's a regular in that team. So... Um, Bearing in mind, we'll just go back to the rotation. By no means am I sat here saying that Fulham are going to be huge defensive um, producers next season. It's just can, where can they fill a gap and you maybe get lucky with their nice fixtures. We're only asking them to keep a clean sheet away against Everton at home against Luton, which actually is not outside the realms of the possibility, to be honest. So um, I like what is there at Fulham enough to say that they could pair nicely with Brentford if you can get a Brentford 4.5. So as I said, that's relying on a lot of things. Um, but let's ju- let's just see. So what else can we offer you in the way of defensive rotations? Number four 
is Everton and Luton. Now, these are two clubs that are definitely going to be able to offer you some 4.5s without a doubt because Everton really did have an absolutely shocking season last season, didn't they? But they do have Sean Dyche at the helm. So can they turn it around? Well, let's see. Let's see. Which I genuinely mean, let's see what happens in the new season. To be honest, because I don't have any numbers that will encourage you. <laughs> those stats that we'll go through them in a second. The Everton are nowhere near those tables. But let's just have a look at the fixtures then to see if there's ways where we can maybe just jammy this to just land on an Everton defender at just the right time. So game week one home against Fulham. Game week two, they're away against Villa, so you don't want your Everton defender starting there. Wolves at home, three game week three. Sheffield United away game week four. You know, they're nice. Then five and six, Arsenal at home, Brentford away. Not so nice. So could Luton fill the gap? Then they've got, well, they've got Brighton away game week one, so you're not interested in that. But Burnley at home game week two could uh, be a nice cover for Everton having to go away to Villa in game week two. Then they've got Chelsea away in game week three, West Ham at home in game week four, but that's fine because in this rotation, you'd be starting your Everton defender at home to Wolves and away to Sheffield United. Can Luton cover game weeks five and six for Everton? Fulham away in game week five, Wolves at home in game week six. Nice fixtures there. Um, potential defensive return. So that's that's what's on offer with that rotation. Where is the best way to capitalise on that? Well, we'll start with Everton. Um, and as I said, we'll just stick this to stats back up on the screen for what it's worth. Yeah, just nowhere near that. So it's no, no, not much point in me extolling some numbers at you. But I think the thing with Everton, just which which is more just my opinion at this point, Sean Dyche historically has been a manager who favours direct, no-nonsense football and just getting rid of it and uh, sticking everyone behind the ball, if we can say it as... Uh, as simply as that. And so there's the possibility that with a full pre-season, he could uh, bring his Everton t- uh, side out into the new campaign and they're a bit harder to, to, to get past. And I don't think anybody doubts the ability of uh, Jordan Pickford, for example. I think uh, most people are happy with him when he plays for England and um, you know the way that he controls Everton's defensive uh, kind of area is he, he does the best that he can do with <laughs> what's in front of him. But I, I, th- I think there's a possibility. But yeah, the personnel then, so Pickford finished season at 4.4, 124 points. If he, if he stays at Everton, there's sort of rumours he might leave. Uh, you know, so, you know, he's going to be 4.5. I think they'd be silly to, to make him 5 million. So, you know, uh, doing a goalkeeper rotation here could work, although we don't necessarily know who the starting goalkeeper is going to be for Luton because the guy that has helped them to the title is not actually one of their players permanently. So um, that could be a potential wait and see if you're going to go the goalkeeper route. Uh, but further up the field into the actual defensive realms, well, you're definitely, definitely going to f- find Everton defenders at 4.5. There's no doubt about that. Tarkovsky finished at 4.1 million, but he did get 106 points. So I think that's enough to bring him back up to 4.5. It was a time when he was a 5 million Burnley defender, but I think Everton have shown enough defensive frailties that I think it would be uh, odd if they uh, yeah, let him continue as a 5 million uh, defender. Uh, Mikalenko finished at 4.1 with 75 points. I mean, to be perfect, I'm just looking down the list of Everton defenders and it just kind of makes you sick. <laughs> it's, just, it's just horrible. You've just got about four, four or five red flags. Most of the players are 4.1, 4.2. Nobody got over 100 points apart from Tarkovsky. So it is just an absolute you know, set of misfits there. But that's potentially good because it just means that they might be off people's radars. They will definitely be cheap. And just keep an eye on the preseason is what I'd say here because let's find out who the back four is at Everton. Let's find out what the fullbacks are doing in the preseason as well because we, by the looks of it, we're definitely going to get a 4.5 Everton fullback. So let's see what happens there. What about uh, Luton though? 
So that yeah, we we don't have the stats for them on the screen, Art, but I do have some numbers to tell you. Um, so I should just point you all back to Fantasy Football Scout, okay, uh, the website where there right now is a fantastic set of articles um, by Tom and by Neil and by Mark, looking at the three newly promoted teams, broken down into assessing each of those clubs' managers, each of those clubs' defensive potential, and each of those clubs' attacking potential. So I've got in front of me right now one of the articles they did uh, on Luton and their defence. So. How did they get on last season with their defence? Well, in 46 matches, they conceded 39 goals and their goal difference was plus 18. Um, In terms of more specific defensive numbers, then 20 clean sheets for them, which was the second best in the division. So they were definitely one of the more steely teams. Um, 39 goals, as I said, conceded. That was also the second best. The number of shots they conceded was seventh best. So a bit of a drop there. But the number of shots on target they conceded was the best. It was the fewest with 122. So it's a possibility they could be a little bit like a Brentford were last season, where they they will concede they'll concede more shots than maybe you think they should, but they are good at making sure those shots arrive in such a place that they're not as threatening, and therefore could potentially help a goalkeeper. Uh, but also that is also going to help them just keep more clean sheets as well. So goals conceded from open play, they conceded just 20. That was also the equal best in the division. And their expected goals conceded, so their XGC, 43.8, second best in the division. Now, of course, have to caveat that with the fact that it was the championship. Of course, they are quite literally stepping up a level this season. So it's hard to say necessarily if they would uh, be in a position where they're going to keep clean sheets all the time. But as I keep saying with these rotations, you're not asking them to do it all the time. You're just asking them to do it in those specific moments that you need them when you swap them in for someone else. So there's the possibility there. And they wouldn't, if they came up and kept a few clean sheets and a few favourable fixtures, they wouldn't be the first newly promoted team to do that. We saw that with Sheffield United a couple of years ago, who famously are now back in the division. Uh, we've seen it with Burnley as well, also back in the division. And the numbers that we're seeing from the championship is that Luton were one of those teams that could really shut teams out. So it's, it's it's something they have in their locker. So have to have to really consider that. In terms of who you would then go for, now none of these guys have prices, these people that I'm looking at here, because we're still waiting on those. And so then therefore you would like to think that they're all going to be 4.5s and 4 millions. The one that catches the eye the most, of course, is Alfie, Alfie Doughty. And I'm hoping I've said that correctly. Um, if you know how to say that and I've done it wrong, please let me know in the comments. But yeah, he's the left wing back. Uh, in their system, uh, 28 starts, two goals, five assists. So he, he clearly is the one that looks the most exciting. Um, and then Tom Lockyer is probably the next best one I would think about. Uh, personally, four goals, one assist from 42 starts. And he's he's a very, very important player in that side. So he's going to be nailed on to play games too. So they're probably the two that I would be thinking about uh, the most. Sort of mentioned the goalkeeper situation. Um, you know, let's just wait and see there you're definitely going to get some 4.5s here. Now, I suppose what I would say is with these newly promoted teams, sometimes uh, they sort of change things as they come up into the Premier League. We might get a 4 million who potentially ends up starting games, maybe. Famously, the man behind me, Mr. John Lundstrom himself, was very much that, although he was a bit of a cheat code because he wasn't actually a defender. But it's another opportunity for me to push you guys back to the Fantasy Football Scout uh, preseason page. Head to the website, go to the very top, look into the tabs, and find the preseason 23 24 guide where you will find the preseason minutes spreadsheet, which is, uh, yeah, where you're going to find out who's playing in, in preseason, how much they're playing for, what position they're playing in, 
and uh, you know what they're achieving in terms of goals, assists, set pieces, who's taking the penalties, direct free kicks, things like that. Some of these things we will know already. And some of those things managers like to change in the preseason and with the newly promoted teams, of course, if you've been following the Premier League closely but haven't really been watching the Championship, that's the best place for you to really learn about how those teams are coming into the new season. So for some of those other Luton players, let's see what the prices are, identify um, some of the cheaper ones and see if they're playing in preseason and maybe maybe they can become your four million but let's let's wait and see now i did talk about sheffield united so let's uh let's uh look at them in some more detail shall we so this is the final defensive rotation pairing um which again i'm sure that a lot of these defensive rotation pairings probably makes me look a bit crackers but you know sometimes you've got to try something uh, a bit different and um as long as these fixtures are matching up to give you um decent fixtures in those rotations i think i think they're worth considering so we'll start with sheffield united they face Crystal Palace in game week one and then Nottingham Forest away in game week two. So some nice fixtures there. They've then got Man City at home in game week three. So if you've got a Sheffield United defender, you do not start him for that game, obviously. Then Everton at home in game week four. So those first four are actually really nice. So on a side separate issue, if you're going for a game week five wildcard, you know, three of the first four fixtures for Sheffield United are, are really nice. Then, yeah, because game week five and six are pretty nasty for them. So it spurs away Newcastle at home. Now, the fixtures that we don't like in that are Game Week 3, um, Game Week 5, and Game Week 6. So we need Wolves to be able to offer nice fixtures in Game Weeks 3, 5, and 6. And they can't quite match up as well as we'd like. So I should just clarify that the first four defensive rotation pairings are the, probably the best four. Because this one doesn't quite work. It does leave you it does leave you exposed in Game Week 5. Um, but, you know, who knows what the prices are going to be. You know, that might be fine if you, if you end up saving 0.5 million to go for a four million at one of these two clubs and end up in this rotation. And of course, you might have maybe made a transfer by game week five or maybe played your wild card as well. So I don't think it's the end of the world necessarily to, to look at it this way. But um, Man United away and Brighton at home are their first two. So that's fine because Sheffield United got those two nice fixtures in game week one and two. Game week three, they've got Everton away, which is quite a nice place to be when you've got your Sheffield United defenders facing Man City. To be honest, you probably have a choice in game week four, whether or not you'd want to start a Sheffield United defender at home to Everton or a Wolves defender away to Palace. I'd probably go with your Sheffield United at home there, but you know, who knows? We'll see how those two clubs get on at the start of the season. Spurs and Liverpool are the two clubs that Sheffield United and Wolves face respectively in game week five. So as I said, it does leave you exposed there. But in game week six, when Sheffield United are hosting Newcastle, uh, Wolves are away to Luton. So can cover you there. Now, Wolves is... I'm going to start with Wolves when, when it comes to um, their defensive returns because, as I said on the stream on Thursday morning, I think people are sleeping on Wolves a little bit. I think that there's the possibility that they could uh, potentially out perform people's expectations in the new season now it's entirely possible that they don't and they get relegated because there's a lot of people saying that um they definitely need to reinforce they definitely need to make some signings but what i've seen in some games under julian lopetegui is some improvement and to be perfectly honest i think they're very very unlucky uh, in the in the sort of run maybe what the last 12 game weeks of the season there was an i felt like there was just enough times uh where they we're just really unlucky, and I kind of feel like they got apologised to by the Referees Association three or four times. <laughs> it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And so I think that when you look at what they did in the end of the season, it's probably, they usually say the table doesn't lie. And I think it's possible that maybe just 
In Wolves' case, maybe it did a little bit. So they finished 13th on 41 points, but it's only four points off finishing 11th and only nine points finishing off finishing 10th. And either of those positions would have been incredibly impressive when you consider where Wolves were when Lopetegui took over because they were very much uh, in that relegation conversation. And by the end of the season, they weren't in it and it wasn't really... You know, they, they mathematically still could have gone down quite near the end. But in terms of the way they were playing and the results they were getting, they very much removed themselves from the relegation conversation when they were right at the heart of it before he turned up. And we can see that, to be honest, in some of the defensive stats. So um, across the course of the whole campaign, despite finishing 13th and having a very bad season by their standard, 11 clean sheets across the whole campaign, which is in the best eight in the division. And uh, in terms of the big chances conceded across the whole campaign... 72, so again, in the best eight in the division. Now, the fact that they did that across the Cole campaign in a world where they were just, you know, really sort of rock bottom before uh, the second half of the campaign just shows you how much they were able to improve in the second half. So in the second half of the campaign, then final 12 uh, matches of the season, 27 big chances conceded. Again, that's in the best eight of uh, fewest big chances conceded. And they got four clean sheets from 12 matches, which... A rate of only one-third is not incredible, but as I said before, the last 12 matches of the season, not many teams got that many clean sheets. Outside of Man United, nobody managed more than five. And also, they when you look at the other teams that kept four clean sheets, as we've got on the screen right here, in the last 12 game weeks, Liverpool did it from 13 matches, West Ham did four clean sheets from 13 matches, Brentford did four clean sheets from 14 matches, and then Brighton did five from 15. Villa did five from 13. So Wolves getting four from 12, comparatively compared to everybody else, is actually pretty good. And as I said, the results that they had in that period of the campaign arguably should have been better than they were. So, appreciate that's a big, a long way around of saying it. There's a possibility that Wolves come into the start of the new season actually in a pretty good place. In terms of the prices, be very surprised if um, Jose Sarr is going to be um, cheaper than five million. 148 points for him. He, but the thing is, is that he didn't really finish the season all that well. And so, if they do go with an alternative and the game launches at such a time that the prices work out that he's the most expensive, but then doesn't start, could we potentially have, um, you know, Bentley, uh, Daniel Bentley? There's a 4.5 who might start. I don't know. He didn't play. He only got six points across the whole of last season um, from basically playing twice and just getting three points in each one. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there with Wolves goalkeeper. What I'm more interested in is the rest of their defence because it's a little bit like Everton, just not as bad because we've just got a, just an absolute sea of players who finished around 4.1, 4.2. So the most expensive defender at the end of the season for Wolves was Semedo on 5 million, but he only got 75 points. Uh, Dawson got 75 points too, but finished at 4.8. The, the highest performing defender for them was Max Kilman, 109 points, but finished at 4.3. And I don't really think there's a case to make any of these guys five million. You know, Johnny, Collins, Totti, Aitnori, Bueno. I can't see any of those guys being five million. So with what we've already talked about with the goalkeeper, I think you're gonna get a four point five million Wolves defender almost certainly. And yeah, with those fixtures, they, they there's moments within that where you'd fancy a clean sheet away at Everton, maybe. A home uh, away at Luton as well, or maybe even away at Crystal Palace. You know, it's, it's not outside the realms of possibility you're gonna get a clean sheet uh, in those games. But let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Forgive me, Blades fans. Forgive me. That's a Freudian slip. Someone who's been watching Plymouth Argyle this season. The, the, the Sheffield that I'm most used to dealing with is is of the Wednesday variety. It might just be a day of the week thing because you know what I'm like. But yeah, so Sheffield United then. <laughs> They're back, uh, which is nice to see. 
and so yeah, they finished uh, yeah second uh, in in the championship, and they had the second best defensive record or joint second best defensive record, I should say, with Luton. So thirty nine goals conceded, joint second best. Um, clean sheets 19 so the fourth best shots conceded 456 was the third best shots on target conceded 130 so that's the second best and the XGC 44.3 was the third best so in a way despite the fact that they finished um, above Luton it's not quite as good uh, as Luton but the thing is is that of course when you move from the championship to the Premier League sometimes uh, if you're going up with some players who've been there before does that help potentially well maybe so I think that um, Sheffield United and, and, and Luton probably come into the Premier League on level footing I would say in terms of whether or not they can keep clean sheets on any given day uh, you know you look at their squad and John Egan's still there who's, you know played in the Premier League before Sander Burge as well um, so who, so you've got two quite core players one of them centre back one of them's a you know a deeper midfielder as well just in the team potentially helping them get some clean sheets so that's that's what they did uh last year where could we potentially capitalize on them well again um you know we 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 don't we don't know what price these guys are going to be how much is the last time they were in the premier league going to impact it so i could be wrong but from my memory egan and um bulldog and basham uh, all did pretty well in the first Sheffield United campaign. You know, the old, the famous Lundstrom year. They did pretty well. I think some of them may have gone to 5 million. And of course, second season uh, syndrome kicked in and they went down. So I'd be very surprised if any of those guys are 5 million based on having been in the Premier League before. So I think they're going to be 4 million. And then the guys who were just completely new, again, it's probably going to be the same thing. I think the one that uh, I'm probably most excited about, just looking at the numbers, um, and I'm going to attempt to say this correctly, I think it's Anel Atmecht Hodic. I think <laughs> he famously had did a bit of a tour of uh, of podcasts last year to help everybody pronounce his name, and I don't really think it necessarily helped everybody. So Anel Akmet Hodjic, I think I got it that time. <laughs> he looks pretty good. So he is um, an underlapping, overlapping centre back, not in quite the same extreme way as Chris Wilder did, but because uh, Heckingbottom uses it, but not to the same sort of degree. But he got six goals and two assists last year, which is quite uh, quite nice and. He's going to be 4.5, isn't he? You've got, you've got to imagine that's what he's going to be. Um, then Max Lowe, the left wing back, um, he uh, got one goal and five assists. So he could be worth considering as well. They're probably the big two names with the with the attacking returns, um, I would say. So yeah, that's, that's what um, the Sheffield United situation uh, is there. But uh, hopefully um, we could see get some clean sheets again. And as I said, they do slot in quite nicely with those Wolves fixtures. Now, that does bring us to the end of the defensive rotations as well. One other thing that you can use the Fantasy Football Scout season ticker for is also picking a bit of a captaincy rotation as well. It seems like a fairly obvious thing at this particular point in time, but what's quite nice and what you can see could potentially have a decent uh, rotation between um, Man City and Liverpool assets in the first uh, three, four game weeks of the season because you can go game week one away to Burnley with your Haaland when Liverpool are away to Chelsea. Then when Man City hosts Newcastle in game week two, uh, Liverpool host Bournemouth, so you could maybe then captain Salah there. But then Liverpool, they go to Newcastle in game week three, but Man City go away to Sheffield United in game week three, so you can go back to your Man City captain as well. So there's another way you can use uh, the season ticker to find some rotations. You can use it for defensive, you can use it for captains, things like that. And so if you haven't already signed up for Fantasy Football Scout membership for the new season, make sure you get your membership sorted, pick the package that works for you, and win your mini leagues and get to those players before your mates do. 
as I said, that's everything uh, from me on uh, on these rotations. But there's plenty more content to come throughout the summer. Um, already talked about some of the uh, the new names that have come to the Premier League. So we've got some FPL scout reports up on uh, the podcast and YouTube channels. We t- looked at Mark Flecken at Brentford, McAllister moving to Liverpool. Uh, we've also looked at Postacoglu going to Spurs. Is he going to help elevate them to a new level where they might be good for FPL uh, in the new season? And of course, if you haven't already checked out our live stream from Thursday morning, reacting to the fixtures as they dropped and picking out who's got the best fixtures across the first six matches, then make sure you check that out as well. But as I always say, I'll leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your summer and I will see you next time.